Welcome to the Porter Hospital Mental Health PHP and IOP audio recording series on improving your coping skills. These audio recordings are designed to supplement material presented in the context of treatment groups and other activities in the IOP PHP. The recordings will focus on the use of cognitive behavior therapy and dialectical behavior therapy skills. Practice these skills is essential to your ability to use them to your benefit to better manage any emotional and behavioral difficulties that you might have. These recordings are intended for participants in the Porter Hospital Mental Health PHP and IOP program. These recordings are designed to supplement the material learned in groups and are not intended as a standalone treatment or a replacement for your own treatment. If you're having thoughts about harming yourself or others, please immediately contact your own treatment provider, take yourself to the nearest emergency room, or call 911. We're going to be talking about a skill from the Interpersonal Effectiveness Module from DBT. The name of the specific skill is Dear Man. We're going to go into a little more detail later on about what that acronym means and how we apply it. But the main thing I want you to keep in mind as we talk about Dear Man right now is that this is a skill dealing with assertiveness. This skill has two main goals. It's a good skill, but it's not a multi-purpose skill. What we're going to be focusing on are two main things. The first is asking for what we want, and the second thing is saying no or setting limits with other people. If we restrict it to those two goals, it's an excellent skill. If we try to apply it to other things, it's not going to work so well. Saying no or asking for what you want may seem like an easy task, but appearances can be deceiving. A great many people have difficulty in accomplishing those two tasks. We'll explore some of the reasons for that in just a moment. Because this is a skill from dialectical behavior therapy, we're of course going to be looking at some dialectics that are involved in this and figure out how we can apply this to those dialectics. A dialectic, as you may understand in the context that we're talking about, is trying to find a balance between extremes. In this case, one of those extremes is passivity in terms of interpersonal relations. Passivity involves the restriction of expression of many factors, including your thoughts, opinions, feelings, and preferences. Instead of making your preferences known, you say nothing or agree to requests or demands that you'd rather not do. You sacrifice your personal interest to appease other people or don't consider your interest important. This is frequently accompanied by intense feelings of guilt and self-deprecatory thoughts about being selfish if you were to ask for what you wanted or to say no. The other extreme that we're dealing with interpersonally is aggression. Aggression involves the use of intimidation, threat, or force, whether it's emotional, verbal, or physical, for the purpose of getting what you want. There's little value for the rights or interests of others, and satisfaction of your own interests and preferences is your primary goal. What we're looking for in this case, the balance between those two extremes, is assertiveness. Assertiveness aims at striking a balance between those two extremes where you can say no or ask for what you want and set limits with others without becoming aggressive. In the introduction module of the main CBT manual, you hopefully saw a pie chart listing elements that initiate and maintain depression, and if you recall, or you can even flip back to the identifying problem components section of that module, you'll notice that the primary contributor to depression is your negative thoughts and unrealistic expectations, but the second contributor is interpersonal conflict, particularly problems with assertion in relationships. 
How we relate to others is a huge part of our day-to-day functioning, particularly in our closest relationships with family, friends, and co-workers. If you have difficulty in any of those relationships, it could be enough stress to start or maintain depression, and the worse that relationship is, the more stress you have to tolerate. Passivity and the lack of assertiveness is one of the primary contributors to relationship and communication problems. Remember, avoiding relationship problems, or any problems for that matter, does not make them better. It makes them worse. At this point, we're going to be talking about some of the historical bases of why people have difficulty in interpersonal arenas. People with mood, anxiety, or other behavioral health disorders may have a great deal of difficulty with interpersonal situations or conflicts because of a variety of reasons. The first of those may be attributed to what's called an invalidating environment. You'll recall us discussing an invalidating environment in the context of DBT. When we talk about an invalidating environment, we talk about restriction of emotion and expression of emotion. If you're raised in an environment, an invalidating environment, where what you feel isn't important and what you express isn't important, it's pretty likely that you're not going to develop the skills to be able to act assertively and ask for what you want or to say no. If you're not exposed to the skills, if you don't have a chance to practice those skills, they're not going to be part of your repertoire and it's going to be difficult to pick those up on your own. Another related factor uh, deals with the behavioral side of things. Oftentimes in behavior therapy, you may hear the phrase, behavior exists because it's reinforced. That is, that we do things because at some level, we get rewarded. We get reinforced for those sort of things. So in acting passive in relationships, that could have been a behavior that was reinforced by people that tended to be more aggressive in your life. If you're passive, it means you get to avoid possible conflicts, possibly hurting other people's feelings, possibly having people angry with you. And so the passivity is reinforced. On the other hand, people who tend to be a little bit more aggressive and demanding probably had that behavior reinforced by people who were passive with them and gave them what they want, never said no, never contradicted or challenged them. And from that perspective, reinforcing the use of assertiveness, particularly using the dear man skill, is going to be an important thing to do. You have to have the behavior reinforced in order to use it and use it effectively. As a final tie-in, you may have developed what's called a schema, or a core belief at a fairly early age, that guides your thoughts and behavior and emotions, even now as an adult, even though those beliefs were formed as a child. Some of the more prominent schema regarding assertiveness and interpersonal effectiveness might include a schema of defectiveness or shame, dependence or incompetence, enmeshment, subjugation, self-sacrifice, or approval-seeking. We tend not to spend a lot of time talking about schemas in our CBT group just because it's a pretty intensive way to look at things, and in a short-term program, we're probably not going to have time to adequately address that when we're trying primarily to get coping skills on board. If this is something that you're interested in pursuing, if any of those sound potentially familiar, let me know, and we'll make sure that we arrange for those to be addressed in outpatient treatment. You can find some additional information about schema in the CBT manual. Remember that when we're talking about passivity, aggression, assertiveness, we're not talking about people, people being passive or aggressive 
or assertive, we're talking about people's behavior being passive or aggressive or assertive. There's no such thing as a passive person or an aggressive person. It's a person who acts passively, who acts assertively, who acts aggressively. Again, we're talking about behavior. People aren't passive, aggressive, or assertive, but people have passive, aggressive, or assertive behavior. That's a key point to make because there's no reason why you cannot become assertive. It's not that you're a passive person. It's that your behavioral repertoire is passive. That can be changed, but it's going to require some practice. It's going to require doing some things differently. We're going to be trying to use an example of dialectics throughout this recording to try to find the balance between the extremes of passivity and aggressive. It's going to take some practice. You're going to have to put some things into action. You can't get this skill down. You can't become good at the skill just by having an intellectual understanding. You actually have to practice, and you actually have to use it in different situations. Our emotions may be a factor in how we respond to interpersonal situations. As we've mentioned before, every emotion has an action that goes along with it. If we're anxious or fearful, we tend to avoid. If we're depressed, we tend to isolate, we tend to shut down. If we're feeling anxious or depressed, what are the odds that our interpersonal behavior is going to be on the passive side? That we are going to have trouble asking for what we want, saying no, or standing up to ourse- for ourselves. When we're angry, we tend to confront. We tend to get aggressive. We tend to raise our voice. So if we're angry, we're going to be less likely to be assertive. We're more likely to be on the aggressive side of things. It's interesting that people can switch from extreme to extreme sometimes. To have a history of being passive in interpersonal situations until you get angry about something and then blowing up and acting aggressively and then quickly regretting it and going back to acting passively again. We're looking for the balance between those two extremes. This is another situation where opposite action is going to be required to manage the way we feel. If we're feeling passive, if we're feeling anxious or sad, we're going to have to force ourselves to act assertively. But at the same time, if we're feeling irritable, aggressive, we want to issue ultimatums, make threats, whatever else, we're going to have to use opposite action to pull ourselves back again and again go for the assertive side of things. Another emotional factor that tends to complicate acting assertive is guilt. There are a lot of people that feel tremendous overpowering guilt at the thought of saying no to somebody, at the thought of asking for what they want. They may feel guilty by being selfish, by asking for what they want. That could have been something that has been reinforced for a long time. Dealing with guilt is going to be one of the major issues in terms of managing our assertiveness. As mentioned, fear is going to be another factor that can influence our interpersonal behavior. There are several different kinds of anxiety or fear that may limit our assertiveness, that may keep us acting passively. One of those is the fear of angering someone. If we make someone angry, we risk verbal, emotional, or physical abuse as a consequence. The most primitive way of controlling someone is through anger. We may have a fear of hurting someone's feelings. Many people live their lives in fear of inconveniencing others or hurting their feelings and are willing to sacrifice themselves, their interests, even their well-being to prevent this. Fear of failure is another thing that influences our personal behavior. 
Sometimes we don't speak up because we fear doing poorly. Sometimes we don't speak up because we don't have the skills and literally don't know what to say in the situation. Alternately, we may fear that we'll say the wrong thing, or that what we say won't make sense, or we'll be ridiculed. Sometimes it's very intimidating to speak up when dealing with a loud, aggressive person. We can fear rejection or abandonment. If you're dependent in relationships, fearful of relationships ending, or fear of fearing abandonment, you may be less willing to say no and more willing to put up with aggressive or inappropriate behavior and abuse rather than risk losing the relationship and being alone. A great many people put up with all sorts of inappropriate behavior from others rather than being alone. Finally, and we're going back to the guilt component, the fear of overwhelming guilt or shame. Those that have been taught that it's selfish to ask for things yourself or who were controlled as children through guilt may have extreme difficulty saying no or asking for what they want. Guilt is a common contributor to passivity in interpersonal relationships. Again, a great many people were raised in an invalidating environment and incorporated what they learned there into their adult lives, and what they learned inhibits their ability to act assertively. Some of what they learn might include subtle or not-so-subtle messages about their self-worth, particularly in relationships with others. They may have picked up messages like, I'm not as important as others. It's selfish of me to make requests. The way I feel and think isn't valid. What I want isn't valid either. Many of these messages are incorporated into the schemas that we discussed a short while ago and are reflected not only in passivity and interpersonal matters, but in one's automatic thoughts, behaviors, and lifestyle choices. Sometimes people learn to communicate in indirect ways sometimes. We can learn indirect communication. Instead of relying on direct verbal communication, asking for what we want or saying no, we rely on nonverbal cues as a means of communication. This is generally not considered to be an effective means of communication. We can stop speaking and give someone the silent treatment. We can storm out of a room, dramatically sigh, pout, or otherwise indirectly express how we feel. When we rely on nonverbal communication exclusively to communicate difficulties, it makes it difficult for the other person to know what you want, and a game of 20 questions is generally not a helpful communication tool. At this point, I also need to point out some warnings or caveats about the use of assertiveness. The first is that when we first begin behaving assertively with other people, it can temporarily make relationships worse. If someone has been able to get whatever they want from you or take advantage of you, they will not appreciate your new assertiveness skills. Second, when you act assertively, the other person may escalate their behavior to still try to get their way. If a little pushiness used to work, maybe a little more pushiness still might work. Believe it or not, this is a good sign. It's not going to feel like it or seem like it at the time, but it's a good sign. It's referred to as an extinction burst. You can find out more about this in the Treating Anxiety module in the main CBT manual. We're going to use the acronym DEARMAN as a substitute for the term assertiveness from this point on. Dear Man is one of those basic core level skills in DBT that you practice, that you're familiar with. It's going to integrate itself into a lot of other therapies that you're going to be doing while you're still involved in DBT. 
there are two goals for the use of the Dear Man skill. The first is to ask for what you want. The other is to say no or set limits with other people. These seem like fairly simple goals, but that doesn't mean that they're easy goals. And if you have a difficulty with acting assertively, if you tend to be on the passive side, it's going to be difficult to actually do those things. Practice is going to be an absolute requirement in order to pick up the skill. Dear Man is an acronym for the steps of the skill. There are seven steps to the skill. That's a lot of steps for any sort of skill. What that means is we're going to have to keep practice and use short, simple, direct ways of saying things. The more we say, the more we're going to lose the other person. So we're going to keep things short and simple and direct when we go through this. Let me go ahead and go through what the acronym stands for. The first, the D, stands for describe. We're describing the current situation. It's easy to confuse this with the step of assert, but we're going to try to keep things focused just on the describe. The describe could be something simple, like, there's something I need to ask you, or I need to talk to you about something, or I have a problem and need your help. You could also go into a little more detail by saying things like, I asked you to do me this favor for five days and you haven't done it, or I don't like the way you've been treating me. We're not going to go into too much detail. We're going to save that to later, and again, we're going to keep everything short and simple and direct. E stands for express. There are two things that we're expressing at this stage. Feelings and opinions. We're going to rely on the use of I statements here under express. Some examples might include... I'm really upset right now, or I get angry when you, and we fill in the blank with what it is, or I don't like it when, and then we fill in the blank with what we don't like. If we use you statements instead of I feel statements, a lot of people get really defensive. So instead of saying you make me angry, we could say instead using an I statement, I feel angry when, and refer back to the behavior. A in this case stands for assert. This is the meat of the skill. When we're using the assert, this is where we're asking for what we want or saying no. The more specific we can be in making the assert, the other peop- the easier it is for other people to understand what we're asking for or saying no to, and the easier it is for us to remember what it is that we're asking for or saying no to if we have to go back and repeat that. We try to be as specific as we can at this stage. The R is for reinforce. When we reinforce something, we make it stronger. So in this case, we're trying to make our request for something, asking for what we want, or our saying no, as strong as possible. There are two basic ways to do that. The first is that you thank the other person for giving you what you're asking for, even before they give it to you. It might be something like, thank you so much for doing this for me, it means a lot, or for accepting no without an argument. I appreciate you taking no for an answer about this. You want to use the reinforcement to shape the other person's behavior. Some other examples might be that we tell the other person what the consequences of the request will be positively or negatively, that is what the advantages to them would be, or what the disadvantages to them would be. We do this in an upfront manner. I value our relationship, and it would really damage my trust if you didn't take no for an answer. Might be an example. 
The reinforce is often a difficult step for most people to get down. They feel like they're being manipulative sometimes if they're trying to explain what the advantages or disadvantages might be or thanking a person ahead of time before they do what they're asking them to do. That's okay. We'll work on this as we go along. The M in this case stands for mindful. In this context, mindful means to stay focused on your original objective, that is, what you're asking for or what you're saying no to. The more specific you were in the assert, the better you'll be able to return to the assert if things get off track. The other person may be uncomfortable with the request you're making, may have issues of their own, may try to interject their own issues into your request. Don't get distracted. Don't address their problems right now. Stick with your original objective. Go back to your assert. You may have to do this repeatedly. Remember, when we're being mindful, we're going back to the initial assert. The more specific you were when you first made it, the easier it will be to go back to that again if you need to stay mindful and repeat that assert. The next A stands for appear confident. If you've avoided conflict most of your life, using assertion will be an anxiety-provoking situation. You'll likely not feel confident. You don't have to feel confident to appear confident. There are ways of presenting yourself that improve your chances of a positive outcome. Instead of focusing on the things not to do, let's focus on the things to do to appear confident. Slow down your speech. Speak slowly and clearly. Articulate your words. Maintain eye contact. Keep your shoulders up and back. Keep your feet a shoulder length apart. Keep your hands clasped behind your back or at your waist. Smile. The N in this case stands for negotiate. Even if you do everything right, even if you handle things well, even if you do perfectly, there's no guarantee that you'll be successful. There are going to be times when it's okay to compromise and negotiate to get at least a little of what you're asking for rather than nothing at all. There are also times when it's not okay to negotiate or to compromise. If you're saying something no to something that's important to you, you stick with your guns. You don't compromise. You don't back down. An example might be, okay, I will babysit your son on short notice this one last time, but in the future I need at least a day's notice or I won't be able to do it. Some situations you can negotiate and compromise, some situations you can't. We'll play those by ear, we'll go over some practice, and see if we can work on making some of those decisions. I've just covered the the basics of what the acronym means. Let me go through it again. Describe. Express. Assert. Reinforce. Mindful. Appear confident. Negotiate. Hopefully you'll repeat these over and over and over until you'll be able to tell me what the acronym stands for on your own. The better you know the acronym, the better you'll be able to use that format to write down some ideas to figure out how you're going to use assertion to use the Dear Man skill to address some interpersonal problems. What I'd like you to think of now is some ways that you can apply the skill. One mistake that people frequently make when they first start using the skill is to pick the worst, most god-awful situation in their life interpersonally and immediately try to drive in, dive in and use the skill to address that. That's not what we're going to do. We're going to take it slowly. We're going to pick some small situations, and then we're going to see if we can apply to those small situations, do some practice, and gradually build up the situations that we want to come up with. 
if you're in an abusive relationship, we're not going to dive immediately into dealing with that abusive relationship. We're going to make sure you have some smaller situations that you could use at first to be able to practice the skill, to be able to make sure you know the steps and can apply it. Some relatively mild situations to use as an example for role play may include telling your doctor about a problem with a medication, returning a small item to a store, requesting a substitution when ordering a meal, asking for an extension on rent, not having enough money to pay for all your medications at the pharmacy, saying no to a telemarketer, dealing with an aggressive salesperson. For the purpose of practicing, let's use the situation of talking to your psychiatrist about a problem with your medication. When we do role-playing to start off with, we're going to go through step by step by step, following each one of the steps in the order that we have it listed. In real life, we may not use all the steps. We might combine some steps, but for the purpose of practice and role-playing, we're going to take it step by step by step. Okay? So, in this case, the D for describe might be something along the lines of, I'm having some problems with my meds that I'd like to discuss with you. There's not one way to say each one of these things. It depends on the situation, depends on the context. What would be some ways that you might think of as a describe for a situation of talking about a problem with medication with your psychiatrist? Our next step is express. Remember, we're expressing opinions or feelings. In this case, it might be, I know you're busy and we don't have a lot of time to discuss this, but it's really important for me that we have a chance to get things working well. Can you think of any other ways to be able to express feelings or opinions to your psychiatrist about this problem? I'll give you a couple of seconds to think about that. Our next step is assert. When we're at assert, we're trying to say no or asking for what we want. An assert in this situation might be, I've been on this new medication for three weeks at the regular dose, and it doesn't seem to be doing much. I'd like to either increase the dose or change to a different medication. Again, the more specific we can be, the better chance we have of getting our point across. Can you think of a different way to handle that situation or to make the assert? I'll give you a few seconds to think about that. Our next step is reinforce. A reinforce in this case might be something along the lines of, I really appreciate your assistance and understanding in helping me manage my medications. Can you think of another assert, or sorry, another reinforce that you'd be able to use in this situation? In this case, we would then give the psychiatrist a chance to respond to what your request was. Let's say in this case, the psychiatrist wants you to continue taking the medication for another couple of weeks to see what sort of response you get. When we're being mindful in this case, we're going back to the assert. We're sticking with our guns. So a mindful response in this case might be, yes, I am aware that some of these meds can take weeks to really work effectively, but I'd like to either increase the dose or change to a different medication. When we use a uh, mindful, we go back to the A. We go back to the assert. The more specific that assert is, the easier it is for us to go back to it, and the easier it is for the other person to know what it was we're asking for or saying no to. 
In this case, we're still going to be mindful and reiterate our assert. It might be something like, yes, it can be a frustrating experience to wait for a new medication to take effect, but I'd like to either increase the dose or change to a different medication. Again, we're going back to that initial assert. The more specific we are, the easier it is for us to remember it and to be able to repeat it. We're also going to check and see if we're appearing confident. Is our voice well modulated? Are we speaking calmly and articulately? Are we making good eye contact? Sitting up straight, shoulders back, keeping ourselves from fidgeting? All those things go into appearing confident. And finally, we go to negotiate. Again, the doctor knows the medications, not us, so he may deny our request to change medications or increase doses. Sometimes it's okay to compromise and negotiate. Sometimes we need to stick with our guns. So in this case, a negotiate may be, okay, increasing the dose is acceptable. Thank you for your help. Can you think of any other way that we can negotiate the situation? It depends a lot on what the doctor says in response to our assert, but hopefully that gives you a little bit of flavor of how the skill may go. Again, we want to keep things short and simple and direct. The more anxious we are, the more uncomfortable we are, the more we're likely either to mumble or to talk so fast that others have a difficult time understanding us. Now that we've walked through a quick scenario, what I'd like you to do is get a piece of paper and write down the steps of the skill. Those steps again are describe, express, assert, reinforce, mindful, appear confident, negotiate. Write those down on a piece of paper, leave a few lines between them, and let's see if you can identify your own situation and what you would say to use the steps of Dear Man. Let's pick a common situation first. Let's go with something else fairly mild. Let's say we want to make a substitution when we order a meal at a restaurant. What are those steps going to look like? Can you come up with a describe, an express, an assert, a reinforce, a mindful response, appear confident, and negotiate? Let's just see if you can write down some of those things on a blank piece of paper. Instead of pausing long enough for you to do that, I'm just going to let you pause the recording on your own so that you can write some of those things down. If you're thinking you'd rather not do this part of the exercise, you can just do it in your head. I would really strongly encourage you to go ahead and write it out. Just having an idea in your mind isn't going to be as effective as actually writing things down and then practicing things later on. Again, this is a skill. It's not enough to have an intellectual understanding. You have to be able to actually put it into practice, and this is one of those ways of putting it into practice. Keep in mind this audio recording is not a substitute for actually going through the Dear Man group, doing some role-playing, coming up with your own responses. This is just an introduction to the skill, to reinforce the skill, to give you some familiarity with the skill. Listen to it several times, and don't just listen to it, but actually figure out how you're going to apply to the skill to your own situation. Write down the steps of the skill, have the steps of the skill written out so you can practice family, practice with friends. The more practice, the more role-playing you can do, the easier it is to use this skill. If you have any questions about the skill, please feel free to ask any of your staff members and they'd be happy to help you out with it. We hope you find these audio recordings helpful. 
These were designed to supplement the coping skills you've been learning in the CBT and DBT groups, not to replace those groups. We plan to add additional audio recordings in the very near future. If you have any questions, please contact your treatment coordinator.